God is good. Amen. Psalms chapter 48, verses 1 and 2. What a beautiful congregation. So thankful for all of you that are here today in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being a part of this church. And thank you for all that you do to allow us to take the gospel to the whole world. Amen. I got a, a letter when I got back from Madagascar that our churches uh, gave uh, the seventh largest giving church in North America to global missions was this church right here in Palm Bay. Amen. Thank you for that. God bless you. What a difference you're making all around the world. And um, Psalms 48 verses 1 and 2 is the two verses I want to read in your hearing. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God and the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. You can't hardly read that without breaking out into song because the famous song that basically quotes those two verses but the last couple of weeks, uh, just a thought that's been in my heart, the Lord gave me um, just sort of this message uh, before I went to Madagascar, and then I had the opportunity to speak on this subject to the pastors and their wives, and I felt to share it with you this morning. Beautiful for situation, those first few words of verse 2. I want to talk to you from that, um, that particular subject, and entitle our message this morning, Things That Are Beautiful to God. Did you say that with me today? Things that are beautiful to God. You know, the things that are beautiful to God may not be the things that are beautiful to you and I. But if we want to be Christ-like, the things that are beautiful to God have got to be the things that are beautiful to us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, thankful for your people that have gathered in your name and in your house today. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together to join our voices, our hearts, our faith, and to lift up the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, that you would anoint hearts and minds to receive your word. Help us, Lord, to exalt you with all that we say and that we do. Let us lift up your name in this community. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. you. may be seated. Thank you for standing. There is an, uh, there's an old saying that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. What is beautiful to one person may not be beautiful to someone else. I was at the airport there in Orlando uh, waiting on my plane as we were preparing to fly to Atlanta, then to Johannesburg, South Africa, and then on to Madagascar. And uh, I saw a sign that was in the airport, and it just sort of stuck in my memory. It said this, Please excuse our appearance as we remodel our facility to serve you better. And I got to thinking about that. Please excuse our appearance. And I thought, well, that sign must have been put up because the appearance of construction and things unfinished, you know, dust and, and dirt and hanging wires and, and all that's a part of a construction site, even in a remodeling uh, effort, which is what was going on at Orlando International, that that site... Uh, would perhaps not be attractive to just the casual observer who is walking by. In fact, there was a sign to address that possibility, excuse our appearance. But then I got to thinking to the people that were doing the planning and the people that were part of the board, the, the, uh, you know, the Orlando International Airport Board of Authority and whoever it is that makes the decisions and, and designates you know, what money is spent on what projects and whatnot. To those people that are, 
a part of the expansion effort or the planning of that particular project. To them, they probably look at that construction differently than the rest of us do. Because it's not an unsightly scene for those that are part of the effort, those that have been drawing up the plans, those that are the, the architects, and those that are the managers, and those that are the construction workers. That's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing. It's the sign of progress. You know, over the, the last uh, 10 to 15 years, even some of you men that are in the auditorium this morning have been a part of, of our uh, building projects as we have built churches overseas now. Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 or 12 churches and orphanages and, and so forth. And you, you have gone with us and we have uh, been able to go to a lot of different countries and build churches and, and um, we're able to build them and get them done in a, in, in a week and, and they start having service in them right away. And to just the casual observer walking by and seeing that building, they may not think it's beautiful. But for all of us, it's the Taj Mahal. <laughs> I mean, we get in there and run wires and paint and, and you know, put up some trusses and, and get a roof on it and, and, and get everything nailed down and put a door. I mean, I mean it's beautiful to us because of what it represents. It represents people coming and being saved. It represents souls that are going to come in and, you know, all that's going to happen in that church. And so, you know, we go home, but it's beautiful to put somebody walking by. It may not be all that beautiful. So the person who's built it, the person who has been a part of the design of it is going to see it in a, in a much different light than must than maybe the casual observer who is just walking by they're going to the owner is going to see beauty in a way that's different from everyone else now here's some of the things that we know we know first of all that god created us is that right god created us he's the builder he's the designer he not only created us but he created this world that we live in not only did he create the world that we live in, but then he created everything that's in the world that is a part of this natural world. And he owns everything. And he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns every star. He owns every lily. He owns every diamond. He owns every piece of gold and every precious gem in every cave. It all belongs to him. And not only does he own all the natural wonders of this world, but watch me now. He owns every one of us. Yeah, he does. Now, you don't think that. You think you own your own life. But you watch. If he wants to recall you. I mean, he can do it in a moment. You're like, I'm in charge. The owner has recalled you. Whether or not we want to feel like we're our own man or whatever. God owns us. That's why every breath that I breathe, there ought to be thanksgiving that's associated. Every time you get up in the morning, it ought not to be, oh me, it ought to be, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Now, if God is the creator and the owner, we know that he is, he sees things differently. What is beautiful to God is not necessarily what's beautiful to us. And so if we know that, we have to understand that our definition of what is beautiful should be more closely aligned to what is beautiful in the sight of God. And to know what is beautiful in the sight of God, you have to go to the Word of God. So let's look at that. There's four things I want to share with you today. 
that we know specifically from the Word of God that is beautiful to God. First of all, Acts chapter 3 and verse 2. It says this, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them, or he would ask for offerings, that entered into the temple. Now, it's interesting to me that they laid the lame man, a man who has been crippled from the moment that he was born. They laid him at the gate called beautiful. Now, the gate was not called beautiful because the lame man was there. The gate was called beautiful because of its design, its architects, the beautiful uh, building, the edifice that Solomon had built. One of the wonders of the world. I mean, they came from all over. You can read it in the Bible. We even read in the book of Acts where a man from Ethiopia had come. People would come from all over. The queen of Sheba. They came to just see Solomon's temple. This particular gate was called the beautiful gate. I don't know why. Maybe it had more work in it than some of the others. But I don't think it's coincidence that they brought this man who was lame. Who had a need. And put him... At the gate called beautiful. Now when everybody came to church, they had to go past this man. And there he was, begging, looking, asking. Can you give me some help? Alms. And you know, that may not be something that's beautiful to us. In fact, that may be something that can start to bug us. What are all these people begging for? Why are these people here? They're holding up signs when we get off the interstate. They got this one's got a need, that one's got a need, this one. And it's all over the place. And that may not be something that's beautiful to you and I. But I submit to you today that things that are beautiful to God is when people, you and I, have a need. That's not always beautiful to us because we, we feel somewhat limited in what we can do to help people. People come to church that are alcoholics. We'll pray for them. We don't know what else to do. We're not alcoholics. We don't understand all of that that takes place. That disease. People that are strung out on drugs. I don't understand. Brother Roger knows more about that than I do. I mean, we're willing to help and pray for them. But sometimes you can get overwhelmed. People have financial needs. People have physical needs. People are sick. People are battling with cancer. People got all kinds of diseases. And all of these things, you can feel overwhelmed. And it may not be something that's beautiful. But I've come to tell you that in the sight of God, it is beautiful if a man, woman, boy, or girl will say I've got nowhere else to go I got a lot of stuff in my life and I need some help that's beautiful in the sight of God oh hallelujah hallelujah you say well how do we know that that's beautiful in the sight of God well (laughs) first of all we know it is because God healed him so we know it's something that his attention is drawn to Not only was he drawn to him, but it's clear from, I believe, numerous examples in the Bible that God is attracted. He is attracted to the need. I got to thinking, God, why is it that you're attracted to the need? Why is it that when somebody needs something that's beautiful to you? And then all of a sudden, it was just like the bells went off. I don't know if it was God telling me this or just... My mind getting a hold of it. The reason that it's beautiful to God is because he has the power to do something about the need. 
And then I started saying, okay, God, I got to figure out how to get more aligned with what you're doing. I got to understand, you know what? I have no power, but it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit, saith the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. So if you and I can get this revelation that though we may feel limited in our feeble efforts, we have a direct connection. We have got a conduit to the power, hallelujah, and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So when people have a need and they're in your life, it ought to be beautiful because you say, hey, I can't do anything for you, but I got a God. Make a difference. That can save you. That can change you. That can heal you and deliver you. So that everybody that has a need, we ought to see it as a beautiful opportunity. Not somebody that's going to cramp our lifestyle or make us uncomfortable. I got to think about all these people that went to that church, Solomon's Temple. And they just passed him every day. I could see families huddling together saying, Oh, I wish they'd move him somewhere else. It's right by the gate. You know, here we come to worship. We bring in our turtle doves and our sacrifices. And I, my joy is stolen from me just because I go by that guy every day. And he's there and he's lame and he's begging. And it's just, it's an unsightly scene. At the gate called beautiful. But Peter and John in Acts chapter. Coming out of a good Holy Ghost service in Acts chapter 2. Just down from the upper room. Isn't God good to give us so many? I think they were still singing. 3,000 people had been added to the church. Hallelujah. And they go to church. Let's go up to Solomon's temple and see what's happening up there. They get up there close to that lame man. Everybody else try to avoid eye contact with him. He's laying there. And I could just see him, people probably going by going like this. You say, well, Pastor, you're just using creative license and interpreting the scripture that way. Maybe. But I, I think I got proof because when Peter looked at him, the Bible says that the lame man, seeing that Peter looked at him, expected to receive something of him. Because the Bible said Peter fastened his eyes on. Now here's what that lets me know. Everybody else didn't do that. How many times do we kind of try to look the other way, you know? I got to think about all those people in Madagascar. We were driving through there in our car. And, man, I never felt any kind of a bad spirit, animosity. Those people were so thankful we were there. I said, if I wanted to bring some people over to the church, could I do that? They said, oh, man, we would love. I said, what's the limit, like 10? They said, bring as many as you want. We'd just be happy. I mean, they just want, they're, come, they're paying for us to stay in a nice hotel. They're paying our food. And here are these people, they don't hardly have anything. They're living in tents and all. And we're driving through them and I'm thinking, man, none of these people have cars or bicycles or nothing. They're just all on foot. And they're just walking, it's dusty, and they're living in these tents and these conditions. And I thought, oh, God, these people, Lord, help us to be able to help them to do more. And it hit me, this is the same kind of world Jesus and his disciples lived in. They didn't have anything. They were on foot. It was dusty and dirty. They weren't taking showers every day. And when it just hit me like a ton of bricks, I'm the exception to the rule, not them. Then I thought, oh God, we are so encumbered with all of our stuff. We can just get 
our mind free from all this and just recognize you come to the world to seek and to save those that are lost, those that are messed up, those that have got problems. That's not ugly to you. That's beautiful to you. People that got messed up lives, people that have been broken and dropped and hurting and suffering. Hallelujah. To our world, we see that as being an ill of our society. But to God, it's beautiful that there's humanity that needs him. Everybody else went the other direction. Peter and John made their way to the need because they were full of the Holy Ghost. See, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you should see things as God sees them. They were drawn to the lame man. The Bible says, Peter fastened his eyes on him, said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible said immediately strength came to his feet and ankle. Whoa, boy, I can feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, you can see all through the Bible. The blind man, blind Barnabas, who was on the wayside begging. They put him on the wayside. They didn't even want him on the main street. They didn't want, him to, they didn't want Jesus to be exposed, you know, to the underbelly of their society. They were so happy he had come to town. They had everything polished, everything looking good, everything cleaned up. And they had the beggars on the wayside. But Barnabas cried out that much the more, Jesus! You gotta keep quiet. We're trying to keep you out of sight. We're trying to keep you on the wayside. We're trying to put you out of the way. We don't want you to mess up the parade. And they tried to keep him quiet. And he cried out that much to the board. Jesus! Now, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. Where's that? What's that? Who's that? Oh, that's that guy we got. Don't bother. Go get him, bring him to me. Why? Because Jesus is drawn to the... He don't need all the pomp and circumstance and all the pageantry and blah, blah, blah. He just wants to know, is there somebody that's come to the First Pentecostal Church at 1021 Emerson Drive in Palm Bay, Florida, that's willing to admit, I got a need. I got some stuff. You don't have to look right, act right, talk right. All you got to do is be willing to say, I need Jesus. And he will move heaven and earth to find one single person that's willing to cry out. Have mercy on me. Over and over through the word of God, if somebody has a need, God is drawn to them. The lady with the issue of blood, they're pushing her aside. Someone said the fact that she touched the hem of the garment meant that she was already on the ground. I think that's probably correct. I don't know that for a fact. But she's already, she'd been knocked down, pushed aside. I can't walk and get to him, but if I got to get on the ground. If I can just touch the hem of his garment. There it is. Got it. And Jesus stopped. Who touched me? They said, well, Master, everybody's touching and pushing and shoving. No, no, no. No. Somebody touched me. I had a preaching church this morning. Somebody touched me. Because I felt virtue. I'm going to tell you something. It's something automatic in the DNA of God. That when somebody's got a need and has an effort and says, I've got to touch him this morning. 
It happens automatically. It flows automatically. There's something beautiful that excites the heart of God. It's ugly. This lady's got this sickness, spent all her money on doctors. She's a mess. It's a socially embarrassing disease. It's beautiful to God. Not even him being aware of it, but yet the virtue flowing through him. I felt it flow through me. Why? Because somebody with a need made contact. To God, things that are beautiful are people that will to admit they have a need. It may not be beautiful to you and I. person that's stuck with sickness, hurting in their soul, but it's beautiful to God. And if it's beautiful to God, it ought to be beautiful to you and me. Those people filled with the Holy Ghost, Peter and John, making their way into the temple, they weren't drawn to the fanfare of the temple, the protocol of the sacrifices, the politics of the Sanhedrin. They were looking for somebody that had a need. And when they found that somebody, they locked them up. I believe that's the mission of the church in the 21st century. Is there anybody in Palm Bay, Maryland that's got a need? Is there anything we can do to reach to help somebody? Is there anybody that's suffering? If there's anybody that's hurting, I've come to tell you, you come to the right place. We serve a God who is not repelled by your problems. He is not repulsed by your situation. He is not a God that has his hands tied, not able to help you. He is a God that can do anything at any time for anybody. Bring your deeds unto him. so used to hiding behind facades because that's how we learn to live in this culture because we don't want to be rejected by people so we learn to keep quiet about our struggles sometimes it's easy to bring that same nature into the presence of God but I just encourage in the Holy Ghost today to just turn it over to Him second thing Romans chapter 10 and verse 15 and how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Feet, beautiful. Who thinks that feet are beautiful? I got stuck to a real fancy lady on an airplane. And I don't know about you, when I get on a plane, I take my shoes off. I mean, even around the office here, if you hang around here during the day, you'll see me run up the hallway in my socks. And I took my shoes off. This lady had all nice, you know, clothes and very classy, you know, very put together. I took off my shoes and she kept looking over at me like this. <laughs> I knew it bugged her, so I was even getting more comfortable. I was like, woo! I was wiggling my toes. Mischievous, I guess. I don't know what my problem is. Finally, she said, Sir, can I ask you to put your shoes on? Your feet stink. I said, Ma'am, I'm a preacher of the gospel, and the Bible says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. I did. I told her that. She said, I don't care who you are, what you do, your feet still smell. Well, ma'am, your breath smells, but I haven't asked you to stop breathing. We became good friends after that. 
I said, you really should try it. You should take your shoes off. It's going to be a long flight. And I said, you'll be a lot more comfortable. She said, I would never. She did her head like that. So we got to talking and she said, what kind of preacher you are? And we got to talking. After about an hour, she had her shoes off. <laughs> I said, does see hit that better? I said, that's the same. I used it as a segue to witness to her. I said, that's the same way you come to God. We come to God and we got everything all, you know, we're hiding behind this and that. And we're trying to keep our act together, keep our shoes off. I said, when you come to the Lord, you got to just give it all over. With your stinky feet and all your troubles and all your trials and all your scars and all your molds and all your mistakes and all your odors. Bring it all to God. You say, well, that's in the natural. We've got even more than that in the spiritual. We've got a lot of things that are unbecoming. But we've got a God that loves us. And it's beautiful to Him. What is it about the feet? I got to thinking about this verse. Why is it the feet? Because it's those that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad times of good things. I don't think that just means ministers. Anybody that's bringing good news, gospel of peace, glad tidings of good things. Why is it that their feet are beautiful? Then I got to thinking about those Levites. That the Jordan River didn't open up when they went over onto that other side. The promised land was opening up to the children of Israel coming out of the wilderness. It didn't open up until the Levites got down in there and put their feet in the water. When they got their feet in there, I got to thinking about how the Bible says that the Lord hates people's feet that are swift to run toward mischief and swift to shed innocent blood. And I got to thinking about how the reason that feet are so beautiful to God for those that will bring glad tidings, speak a positive word. The reason the feet are beautiful is because the feet represent action. Oh, yeah. See, you can't get there without your feet. But you say, you know what? I believe so-and-so. I believe this and that. I believe that's going to happen. And you can sit there and believe, 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 believe. But it's when you use your feet to stand up on where you're sitting and come down to an altar that the heavens start to open. You know, I, need to, I know I need to go to church. I need to get there. I don't know. You can say all that and have good intentions. But your feet got up in the house today. Your feet climbed up in a car. Your feet walked through those doors. Your feet brought you here and the Lord said it may not be beautiful to anybody else however many hundreds of thousands of people millions that will gather in God's house today all over the world but in the sight of God it's beautiful because you didn't just think it you didn't just contemplate it but you put action to your faith you stepped in ladies and gentlemen sometimes you got to just step into your miracle you got to just use those feet and say, God thinks it's beautiful. Sometimes we use those feet to step out in faith. You know, Peter stepped out of the boat. Everybody else is just rowing faster. But when they saw Jesus, Peter said, I can't, it's not score. I've got to get out. Of the, and he stepped out of his comfort zone, got up in the water. And the Bible said he walked on top of the water. I think the Lord saw. Isn't that interesting that the Lord, the Lord washed there. These weren't the Sanhedrin. These weren't the wealth. These weren't the people that could afford to have them all scrubbed and clean. Manicured. They had old nasty toenails that looked like Fritos. Yeah, they did. 
I can see Peter. Them guys were fishermen, man. They had calluses and toenails and ooh, they dust and sandals and man, they had they walked everywhere they went. They had calluses and they had all kind of stuff. I could just see them feet. You look at it and say, ah! they make you run. And yet the Lord said, bring them up here. I'm fixing to wash them. Why were they beautiful? It wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the Sadducees. It was old rough fishermen, hallelujah, that had anything they could offer to Jesus. But you know what they were willing to do? They were willing to walk with the Lord. Where are we going? We're going to Jericho. We're right here with you, Lord. Where are we going now? We're going to Bethany. We'll walk with you every step of the way. I believe it's beautiful to God when a man or a woman will say, I don't understand why, but I'm with you, Lord. I'm still walking. I'm still following. And faithfulness is beautiful to God. You could have been somewhere else this morning. It would have been easier to stay at home, but you came to the house of the Lord. Got up and you walked in. Made your way in and sat down. That's beautiful to God. The Lord says, I, I want to wash their feet because I want them to understand how valuable it is to me. That they will use what energy, what strength they have. I want to tell you something, folks. I'd rather be with a group of people gathered together in the name of Jesus in Palm Bay or Madagascar or anywhere in the world. People that just say, God, I love you. Here I am. I'd rather be with God's people than presidents and prime ministers. I'd rather be with God's people. I'd rather be with somebody that'll say God is so good in a world that's cynical, in a world that's critical, in a world that's negative. I'd rather be with God's people that'll say great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I gotta hurry. The next thing we read about Psalms 116 verse 15. Precious. King James Version says precious. Other translations say beautiful. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. How can that be beautiful? Not just the death of somebody, but the death of His saints. Something about that that's beautiful to God. I think the key word there is sight. Precious in the sight of the Lord. Something he sees that we may not see. The death of someone that you love or someone who was a great saint in the church. That's not necessarily something that we think of as precious or beautiful. But it is to God. Why? I think I know why. Because it's not the final chapter to our God. He sees things differently than we do. You see, death in this life seems to be a a finality, but it's really just the start of life in eternity with God. So it's beautiful to God. Because it is the definition, literally, of being saved. It's a place where the fellowship with God for all of eternity is without question. As long as you and I are on this earth... There's a possibility that something could happen. We could get out of the will of God. We could possibly lose our soul. We could walk away from God. We could wander off. As Brother Godwin preached on Wednesday night, we could join ourselves to a stranger of a far country, a citizen of a far country. But when we die, when a child of God does like 
Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Just like we honored Sister Douglas yesterday. Something beautiful about that. Oh, but I love her and I miss her and we want her here. And her faithfulness and her prayers and her work with the nursing home ministry and her work with food in the park. But yet heaven rejoices. It's welcome home and it's joy unspeakable and it's a heavenly reunion and it's beautiful to God. We may mourn the loss of a church member, but in the sight of God, they have made it home. And though it's not beautiful to me, if it's beautiful to God, it needs to start being beautiful to me. For it to be beautiful to me, I've got to realign my vision. I've got to change my focus. I've got to start thinking in terms of how God can change a life. I I think there's more to it than that too. I think that it's also, I think, an example of how we may think somebody is dead spiritually, but God can raise them again. Oh, yes, he can. Nobody thought that Lazarus was dying. Nobody thought that Lazarus' death was beautiful except Jesus. Everybody else was mourning. Everybody else was crying. Everybody else was wondering why Jesus is late. Jesus comes waltzing into town. You can almost hear in Martha's voice, she's almost mad that he's not troubled. Jesus, if thou hast been here, my brother would not have died. And almost as a side remark, he goes, ah, your brother shall live again. Resurrection. She she stressed the point because she didn't know for sure if it registered. I I know he will in the last day. Finally, he has to turn Martha. I am. You can almost feel goosebumps. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Believe it, Alice. Oh, my. Everybody else was wondering. Everybody else was troubled. Everybody else was missing him. Jesus said, death is nothing more than an opportunity to show my power. You see, for us, death is a door. It's a door. God can walk through and do a great work. Death does not stop God. Death does not stop us. Nobody thought that Calvary was beautiful. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 2, He shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, nothing attractive. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty. That we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from you. It was such an unsightly scene. I can't even look at it. My God, it's my Savior. Ah, he's put the spirit inside. I can't look. I don't even know how to get my brain around it. Why? How is it happening? He was despised and we esteemed him not. But then the writer starts to take a turn in verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but... Almighty, when you see the word but in the Bible, things are starting to change. 
but I know it's nothing to look at in the natural eye, but I know it's troubling that your Savior is hanging on a cross, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. It may be ugly to the world, but for you and I that knows what it is, that all of the pain and the strife of our sins have been washed away. It's beautiful to look at count. With his stripes, we are healed, made whole, beautiful to God, spiritual or natural. Death is just an opportunity for a resurrection. I don't know what the world, the enemy of your soul, I don't know what has happened out there to try to steal your joy or to make you feel like that you can never change. There's no way that your own personal environment could ever change its destiny. Maybe even in your own mind and in your own emotions you have nailed the final nail in the coffin. I'll just have to live with it. This is my lot in life to suffer with whatever. I'll just have to struggle with this. I've come to tell you, there's something beautiful in the sight of God. To just say, God, here I am. I don't understand it all, but I believe that you can make a difference. You can change my position in life. You can give me joy where there was no joy. That's why David said, you turned my mourning into dancing. Oh my, how does he do that? Because death is not a problem with God. Death is not a problem with God. You and I may look at a situation and think it's hopeless, but it's not with God. He wants to shine his light of love into every dark hearts and emotions and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus would you stand to your feet this morning there's a fourth one relates back to the text because I got to thinking about this bishop Mount Zion beautiful for situation Mount Zion didn't even make it inside the walls Mount Zion, we were, we were just there earlier this year. I, I know where Mount Zion is. I climbed through the tunnels with water up to my knees and dark and damp. And Hezekiah's tunnels that David and his men went through to capture that city. That was where Mount Zion was. Doesn't look like hardly anything if you look at it now. Almost looks like something that got forgotten. Something on the side. How is Mount Zion a beautiful situation? Well, Mount Zion's where the city of David was built. A man who based his life on worship and praise. The Bible says that the Mount Zion is a is a beautiful situation. Why? Because it represents the praise of God's people. Such a beautiful place. It's also where the upper room is. 
that God was drawn to, to pour out His Spirit. For the Holy Ghost to first fall, 120 people gathered in the upper room. Where is that? It's on Mount Zion. Beautiful situation. People walking by didn't understand. People today still don't understand. I watched people that were in the leadership of the country of Madagascar come to that conference. One of them, presidential candidates, sat right next to him. Him and his wife, they, you know, obviously more fluent than the common person gathered in that conference. And I watched them, and I watched them watch the worship, and I could tell that it was something that was unusual for them. Not necessarily something you'd look at in the natural eye and see as being beautiful. No doubt they lived in a different world, had a different standard of what was or was not beautiful. And I got to thinking, but to God, your position, whatever it may be, your suit, whatever it may be, your shoes, your wife, your kid, whatever you've accumulated to make you feel like you have made it is not necessarily what's beautiful to God. What's beautiful to God is hundreds and thousands of people that will worship Him without worrying about what anybody thinks. God says, that's what I'm drawn to. That's what I love. That's what flows out of my spirit into humanity. I got to thinking, Lord, how is it that over and over again we see this, this term, beauty of holiness. Four times in the Bible we see this phrase, beauty of holiness. Every time you read the phrase, beauty of holiness, it is mentioned with worship. Psalms 29.2, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalms 96.9, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. First Chronicles 16.29, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Second Chronicles 20.21, he appointed singers that they should praise in the beauty of holiness something is beautiful to God when his people come together and say God I'm not just here playing church I'm not just here on Sunday morning because it's the thing to do I've come together with your people today to lift up the name of Jesus I'm committed to it Ladies and gentlemen, all of heaven stands at attention. King of glory comes in. Something beautiful happening in Pompeii. There's a beautiful situation. People of the name and the beauty of holiness are gathered to worship this great God. may not be beautiful to the world, But it's beautiful to God. And one day, my friend, God is coming back for a bride that he is attracted to. He's going to be drawn to a beautiful bride. Those that worship in the beauty of holiness. I think it's going to be in the midst of a worship service one day. Somewhere on this earth, people are going to be together worshiping God. And the Lord's going to say, Gabriel, pick up the trumpet. Sounded loud and clear. Here comes the re- church, the redeemed of the blood, adorned in what? It's my people. It's my bride. And in the midst of your worship, there is a 
drawing. I don't even know how to explain it other than just tell you the Holy Ghost just comes near. That's why if you want to receive the Holy Ghost, you, you receive the Holy Ghost by worshiping Him. If you need a healing in your body, you receive a healing by worshiping Him. Good God, I feel that. All. I wonder right now all across this building, I don't know what your need is, but I wonder right now if you would lift your hands and your voices. And I wonder right now if you would just worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Oh, that's beautiful. Some people are putting their feet into it. Oh, that's beautiful. Come on, you can make your way from where you're standing. Come on, put action into what you feel. God is calling you. Here I am, Lord. Come on, I'm going to vote with my feet today. I can't just stay on the perimeter any longer. There's something in my spirit that draws me to God. Come on. Come on, that's it. Step into what God wants to give you today. That's beautiful to God. That's beautiful to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Lift your voice right where you're standing. Here I am, Lord. I have no more excuses. Here I stand before you, God. I've just come to lift up my voice unto you, Lord. I've just come to say once again, Lord, I magnify you. He loves you. 
Come on, cast your cares before him today. He loves you. You were created in the image of God. Jesus. Bye. 